And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Talk About with Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show, she's being brought to you in part by the Title Battle Championship computer game. Get yourself a copy right now. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Title Bout banner. Uh, also, today's show is being brought to us in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. Uh, check it out, SouthernGourmetSpice.com. That's SouthernGourmetSpice.com. Uh, Kenny Bears, barbecue rub, and my new favorite, the Cajun Spice, man. I, you just There's nothing like it. Uh, check it out. SouthernGourmetSpice.com. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book. That's right. It's still available. Uh, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Men on a Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get yourself a copy right now while you're watching this show. Just visit BarnesandNoble.com or, of course, Amazon.com or drop me an email. Uh, Billy at or you could just drop me an email at Bill at talking. BillyCBoxing.com. I, I don't even know my email address anymore. It's been so long. Bill at BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, I'll get you a copy. Um, all right, we're back. Uh, Dax Khan's going to be joining me in a little bit. Alex Papali a little bit later. Um, it's been a while, and uh, uh, I want to thank uh, everybody who's been communicating with me over the last uh, six months that we've been in hiatus. It's been about six months, I think. Uh, my man Augie from uh, Riverhead, uh, so many other people, uh, Alex, uh, the other Alex, uh, Jerry, uh, and I apologize, uh, um, James, and uh, all, all the rest that have sent me emails and I've communicated with. Um, thank you uh, so much for all the accolades and stuff I've received uh, over the last uh, several months. Um, I just want to come right out and say, you know, I, I, I was turned off uh, by the show, uh, not this show, but by the sport, and it made me turn off the show uh, for a while. And, and I'll be honest, um, the sport uh, still has me um, still has me wondering uh, where I, I want to be with uh, the sport of boxing. But here's the thing. I love the sport of boxing and the sport of boxing. Um, is, uh, in my opinion, the, 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 the best sport on, on the planet. Um, what turned me off is the same thing that has turned a lot of you off, uh, just the nature of the business. And that's what I want to talk about today on today's show. Um, today's show, I want to do some not specific comparisons, but just era comparisons, um, you know, with uh, the sport of yesteryear um, versus the sport of today. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that, in my opinion, I, I believe due to uh, nutritional advancements, uh, training techniques, um, better life conditions, et cetera, et cetera, I, I think what we have today um, are, are much better athletes across the board in every sport, uh, football, baseball, uh, basketball, hockey, et cetera, et cetera. I, I honestly believe that there are better athletes out there today, and boxing's no different. Um, however, the sport was better uh, in days gone by. Um, and I think one of the main reasons is the simple fact that um, 
the main goal back in the day, of course, I, I mean, look, we're talking about professional boxing. So we're talking about making money. So it was always about the money. Let's, let's make no mistake. It was always about the money. Uh, fighters fought to make money. Um, but the difference today is that they revolve around the money and there's no, um, there's nothing else that's driving fighters. And I think that that is becoming more apparent when you watch the sport on TV. For example, um, back in the day, uh, you would see two fighters uh, that were rising up uh, fight each other. Um, there was nothing wrong with getting a loss in your career. Um, you know, if, if there was a, a guy that thought he was better than the next guy, well, they settled it in the ring. Today, we hear a lot of BS. We hear a lot of bantering back and forth. And, and unfortunately for us, the boxing fan, we don't see a lot of these matchups. We do see fights, and we do have some quality fighters out there, of course. Um, but uh, they're not fighting the right fights, in, in my opinion. You know, they, they, they're calculating uh, their fights. They don't want to get that loss. They're afraid of that loss. And whose fault is it? Is the fighter's fault? Um, I think more uh, it's the promoter's fault. I think that the pro promoters and the television networks kind of got themselves in a position where they felt that they couldn't sell a fight unless, number one, it was a championship fight. Um, so there we had the birth of all these belts. Um, and then the second thing uh, was, was the fact that, you know, they made you think that um, if you had a loss, you, you were no good. And a lot of younger fans today have bought into that. Uh, when you look back at the training methods uh, that the older fighters did compared to today, um, I mean, uh, James Jeffries used to think it was, it, it, it was toughing him up by not drinking any fluids. You know, he would limit himself to one quart of water in, in, in a day of, of working out. And, and it was just ridiculous, you know. Um, so we've come a long way in that respect. And uh, speaking about respect, my, my respects go to the man that's joining me uh, right now, uh, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? Well, Dax, hold on. Are you there now, Dax? I'm here now. Can uh, you hear me? All right. I can hear you. Let me all try right, something. Okay, good. No, I, hey, it's been a while. I had to know what buttons to press. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I got to figure out what screen I want to go to here. But, uh, you know, the, the um, yeah, I like that one better. Um, I think that, you know, the main thing I want to talk about today, it got me thinking, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I, I was thinking about the comparison between fighters of yesteryear and today. And, and Dax, I started off the show by saying simply this. I honestly believe that the fighters of today are better athletes. And I think that the talent level of the fighters, and I know a lot of old timers that have talked to me over the years are going to uh, cringe about what I'm going to say, but... They're better boxers. You know, the footwork, footwork is better. Um, the, the, you know, the, their whole style seems better. But the problem is, is that they're not fighting the right, they're not fighting the right dance partners. Um, they're avoiding other fighters and stuff like that. I mean, if you go back to John L. Sullivan, if we go back to John L. Sullivan, right? Like right after my guy, Tom Molino. I mean, these guys were just brutes. They would just throw punches and that's it. There was no style. Uh, James Corbett changed all of that when he came and, uh, and introduced footwork in the, in, in the early 1900s, you know, and then you evolved to the, to the Jack Johnsons, who, who was a guy that, you know, was a Floyd Mayweather of, of his day, you know, defensively, and, and he just controlled his opponents, et cetera. 
um, and so on and so forth, all the way up in, until today. Uh, I just think that the sport was better in in years gone by, but the fighters seem to be better today. And I'm just judging that by individual talent, not the matches themselves, because there were historical fights that we've seen over the years that will never be duplicated. Um, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, the fact that you mentioned that is um, about John L. Sullivan is kind of uh, funny, not in a ha-ha way. I'm watching an old show um, called uh, Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp, and it's about this guy who travels from town to town wanting to take on anybody who can last for a round. Wait a minute, round. wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. You mean Wyatt, Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Earp, the, the famous boxing referee? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And so this is when he's a referee. He's a marshal of like Dodge City or something like that. And some young kid is going to, he wants to win $100 so he can go back to the East Coast. And it's against some big monster of a guy in so he ends up going in there, and the guy just can't touch him. And the guy's been knocking everybody out. And long story short, it turns out that the guy did have some um, brass knuckles hidden in his gloves. And But then afterwards, they ask him about, um, well, if you're going back to New York, what's your name? So we can follow him. Never did get your name. He's like, well, it was uh, James Jeffries. Yeah, well. I mean, I mean uh, Fitzsimmons. Oh, oh, Bob Fitzsimmons. Yeah, Bob's, uh, Bob Fitzsimmons, where it's like, um, that is when we first kind of seen with that and Corbett, a different style in boxing started to evolve, but it did take some time before it really totally evolved. It wasn't up until, you know, Jack Johnson, then it kind of regressed a little bit. It did. Then no, it no. Hey, that's a great point, Dax, because it did regress a little bit when you went to the Jack Dempsey era, because Jack Dempsey, I mean, he was, he was a, a, a killer, but he wasn't as stylistic. He was a he was a come at you, destroy you type of a fighter, you know. Yeah, and that's how come we had that infamous long count against uh, Tunney is because Jack was so used to being able to stand over his opponent and just pummel them as they were getting up, and they had just implemented that new rule where you have to go to the neutral corner, and that is what created that long count. But then we went back again when we had the Great Depression where guys like you, me, the average guy who's never been in a street fight, let's say, let alone um, any type of boxing training, they were fighting, and that time we had the most registered professional fighters in history of the United States at least these were guys and that's where the expression a means to an end came from and that's because these guys for two dollars were willing to take a beating just so their kids could eat I mean two dollars at that point in time was a lot of money and then all of a sudden now right after that we get Sugar Ray Robinson and all of a sudden it just changed again so stylistically and then we come to the 50s and then once again, it sort of regressed. Well, I don't know about that. I think I uh, about regressing at that point. I think after, I, I mean, Dempsey was was a unique case, but it started progressively getting more and more refined. I like to use the word refined because today, when you look at today's fighters, and you know, yes, people are shocked that I'm I'm saying that I'm giving the the fighters today the the credit that I am. But they are more refined, even even fighters that, you know, we don't look at as being super great fighters. They're more refined in a sense that everyone knows how to throw a You know, if you're training for boxing, let me let me let me say that, uh, you know, the first thing a, a good trainer is going to show you is how to throw a jab. They're going to show you defense. These are all things that 
had been picked up over the last hundred years. So theoretically, I think, you know, when you add that with the nutritional advances and, and the, the, the training techniques, um, I mean, the training techniques, the Rocky Marciano, Jack Dempsey's, James Jeffries, all those guys used to chop wood, run up and down. You know, James Jeffries used to go on hunting trips for months at a time. That was his workout, climbing mountains, hunting mountains. He used to hunt mountain lions, you know, and, and that was his, his method. And during that time, even before that, physical fitness wasn't that popular in the United States. The Civil War, a lot of people don't realize this, but it wasn't until the Civil War and bare knuckle fighting got, you know, started becoming more popular that people started really paying attention to physical fitness. And it was so primitive back then. And, and boxing was one of the only ways that people used to get in shape. I've seen video clips, Dax, recently of a, a gym in the early 1900s that was lined with guys. I'm talking, there had to be 50, 60 guys lined up and, and they were all doing workout together like you would see in the, in the military, you know? And that was a first. They weren't doing that up to that point. No, but again, if you go to the, back to what I'm saying about the regression and the progression alternating, you go to Joe Lewis during his career, you know, that fantastic reign that he had, a lot of those guys were just sluggers. They really didn't have a lot of refined boxing ability. Even today, um, now that, you know, we do have the advances, every now and then we do get like a Ruslan Provokhanov type guy who just wants to go in there, wear you down, and or an Orlando Salido to where they're not really uh, refined, but what you're saying about that physical fitness, they are in such great shape that they can just keep going forward and forward and forward and wear guys who are even more talented down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anytime you're in better condition, you have a, an opportunity. But even those guys, even those guys that we're looking at today as being, uh, for no other term, you know, like a brawler, they're, they're still better off than, than you know, skill set-wise than they were in years gone by, I think the the big difference and the reason why people like myself, I, I know I'm contradicting things that, I, you know, I talk uh, to other people about, to, to boxing fans. I, I think what makes the sport so much better back in the day, so to speak, it depends how old you are, what you call back in the day, um, but... You know, it just, they were better fighters. They, the sport was healthier. There were more people doing it. It was accepted more. You and me could fight five times, and you could win two, and I could win two, and then the fifth one, you know, whoever wins, I mean, that's not taking anything away from you or me. Our values don't go down. The values went up. Today, it's the opposite. You lose... And all of a sudden, everybody thinks the value goes down. And I believe that that's not the fighter's fault. I believe that that's the promoters and the television networks, their fault, because they feel they can't market. And and also with the belts. You know, uh, you, there was a time when one belt mattered. Now, is it uh, people, oh, it's it, they're fighting for a belt. You know, nobody knows what belt it is, but at least it's for a belt, you know? And you're right. Um, television, radio, um, especially nowadays with uh, podcasts, YouTube, stuff like that has helped the sport progress and it has kind of held it back. And also the way our amateur program is being run right now and video games in terms of our upcoming generation 
when you look at, you know, me going to gym, see a lot of these young kids come in there. When you were younger, you can go out and play basketball all day, run all day. You can sit there and um, do whatever you wanted all day long without being exhausted. Play stoop ball, play handball, whatever the case may be. Now the average kid will come into the gym. They look like they're Hercules, yet they can't do a single pull-up. You know, they can't run a quarter mile. So physical fitness is definitely important, and it's that old-school physical fitness, I personally believe, that actually gets you in better shape than a lot of this new physical fitness, which relies so much on equipment, you know, more more, uh, uh, nautical-type equipment rather than, you know, equipment or even just running through the woods with boots on and stuff like that. If you take the old school like that, And some people today do use that method where they use that to get the physical fitness and then they add in the modern boxing techniques. That's where we have the new generation fighter. I I agree with that. And and I do agree with the fact that the old style training methods to a degree were were better. And and I used to have this argument with people all the time. You know, like when I was managing fighters, you know, did you you do your run today? Yeah, I I did six miles on the treadmill. No, I told you to run outside. Well, it was raining. Well, no. You know, when you run outside on the road, on in the woods, in the trail, whatever, you know, your body's moving. You know, it's adjusting to different terrain changes, a log that you have to go over, a, a, a pothole you have to avoid. And you're using different muscles, and that definitely builds up the stamina better. It's, it's that I believe. I agree with you 100% versus doing a treadmill or, or something. But the other added thing, and I think that if fighters today, I think if they, they, were, they had to, I mean, listen, if they had the balls enough and they had the desire enough to train in the old style and they use that style, those techniques that built those bodies and, and, and uh, got the, the, the stamina up to the way they were, like the Jake LaMottas and the, 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 the Sugar Ray uh, uh, Robinsons, et cetera, et cetera, uh, even Jack Dempsey in his time, Jack Johnson, I mean, all you know, you can keep going back. The stamina was always much better. I mean... You know, they fought 20 rounds, you know, but but I think if you combine that with today's knowledge of nutrition and what not to eat and, and making sure that you have plenty of uh, uh, fluids, etc., I think you could uh, re- and if the fighters today were willing to actually fight and the promoters were willing to actually promote the fights and the fans were actually willing to accept the fact that a fight is not washed up after they lose one or two fights, we could be back to to something that is better than we've ever seen. What we have seen is something that five years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, we would have never imagined, which is that the United States... Hey, hey, let's not talk politics. I'm sorry? I said, let's not talk politics because this thing's going on We're today. We're not talking with... <laughs> politics. I said, the United no, States. No, I'm actually... saying, I'm, you, when you started off saying if, you know, things are, that's taking place today, you know. I, I, I know. Just, I, I didn't say things that were taking place today. I'm well, saying. I am. If we look back to 10 years ago, 15 years ago, okay, when you had a fighter, even take 
Klitschko in early in his career, oh, he's a Euro fighter, he's a Euro bum. That was a common expression that most fans used. Yet now, when we look at the top fighters and the most elite fighters, very few are from the United States. Dmitry Baval, for example, take him, Vasil Lomachenko, Triple G, um, the Klitschko brothers, Tyson Fury, all these guys, they have a combination of that stand-up style, then it's kind of evolved, and then they kind of have that Mexican style, however you want to say, where, you know, they've been, like, more complete in terms of wanting to develop more on top of that nutrition to where the United States fighters have kind of seemed to plateaued a little bit. Well, you know, I, I, I've always looked at it this way, to be honest with you. The one common denominator with boxing has been the most successful fighters in the sport of boxing has used the sport of boxing to better themselves, better their lives, better their situation, etc. And you hear the stories of uh, poverty, and poverty was the main driving force that made these fighters want to get themselves out of a situation to improve their lives. That's not changed. That still happens today. Uh, very few fighters are, are, are born uh, comfortably wealthy and uh, decide to become fighters. I, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but it's not common. It's the other way around. The difference between the, the, the poverty level of fighters in, in 1900 or, or 1920 or even 1950 is so much different than today. I mean, Jack Dempsey you know, went to school. He was so poor. I mean, uh, you hear about all these people. I mean, really, up until the through the 60s, there were many people that, you know, joined the, the, the service for the first time in, in, you know, the Korean War, World War II, even Vietnam, that never had a pair of shoes, you know, I mean, because they were so poor. But we're talking about Jack Dempsey, who didn't not only have a pair of shoes, he had to wear his sister's dress to school because his family couldn't afford clothes for the kid, you know, which ultimately pushed him out of school into the into the coal mines when he was, you know, 10 years old. Today's poverty level, although it's still, uh, uh, you know, sickening to us that anybody has to, to suffer, is much, it's easier. I hate to say it, but it's easier than, than it was. And I think that that... Um, uh, reflects the toughness of of us human beings and and uh, you know ultimately the sport and it happens in in every sport you know how about all the injuries you know are the injuries due to the fact that that people are building up too much muscle or they just you know um you know aren't as tough as they used to be what, what do you think about that well you hit a point right there which was kind of what i was insinuating towards we're trying to think of a way to say it clearly in terms of that poverty level now people ask me a lot about a top level fighter when they start to slip well why has um billy you know his last few performances haven't been all that great you know even though so and so was three levels below him you know i tell him you know what once your bank account gets to eight and nine figures getting punched in the face really isn't all that appealing anymore and when you're from some of these other countries like Manny Pacquiao let's say the Philippines where not only is there poverty but there's so much crime that not only are you fighting for the money but you want to fight for the glory and then you know 
you date all the way back until the days of, I was fortunate enough to be friends with Matt Baranski. He would tell me all these stories about Joe Lewis, and he would tell me stories about um, Max Schmeling and Max Baer, and all the respect that they had for each other. And he was telling me a story one time about the rematch between Schmeling and I believe it was Bear that Jack Dempsey actually promoted. And he said that it, he was speaking to him, asking him, you know, what the environment was like. It was like 55,000 people in Yankee Stadium. You know, this was in the late 20s. And he said only that uh, Schmeling said to him that on that night, it didn't matter if it was Hitler, it didn't matter if it was Roosevelt, it didn't matter who it was in that stadium, the three of us, including the fact that Jack Sharkey and Primo Carnera were at ringside, there was nothing bigger than that because we were all heavyweight champions of the world. The heavyweight champion of the world and boxing in every division back before it got so complicated, they were heroes. Not intentional heroes, but they were something that kids looked forward to, looked up to, because if these people that they seen that were from their neighborhood and from their area or from the state next to them could do it, they could do it too. So kids aspired towards that. Now, not that they all became boxers because, you know, boxing is a tough and brutal sport, but, you know, it more or less gave them something to look forward to and look up to. And that's a problem with the promoters nowadays is they don't promote the right guys to where there is any heroes, especially in a time where the sport is starting to decline seriously when it comes to the financial comparison against something like the UFC. Boxing has become desperate. They're starting to charge pay-per-view prices, even the zone pay-per-views for stuff that used to be less than HBO quality. Listen, it look, we've always blamed we you know, we're 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 doing this show now 19 years. All right, believe it or not. And 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 you know how I always said, by the way, I'm just going to uh, do a plug here. You know how I always said, oh, I have all these interviews and stuff. Well, I, I got them all. And man, do I have some great stuff that we did uh, over the years. I mean, Danny Garcia, when he was still fighting uh, in his early fights, I have several uh, uh, interviews with him that I'm going to be airing in the near future. Um, Tyson Fury. I mean, all these guys, you know, but but. You know, it's not not all the the promoters and managers and networks' fault because some of it is has to be blamed on the fighters as as well. And I and I'll and I'll give you an example. You know, Joe Lewis. All right, let, let's take Joe Lewis. Even then, in Joe Lewis's time, and and I loved Joe Lewis, and I loved the story behind him. The the although I hate the sad endings of, of, of the way his life ended, and and all this stuff, and how people took advantage of him, including our own government. Um, but if you look, in, and I know Dax, we've talked about this many times in the past. The bum of the month club. Okay, this is what they labeled uh, uh, Joe Lewis when he w would fight as rapidly as he did, as 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 much as he did. The bum of the month club. Well, there was a show we did uh, not well. It was a while ago, I guess. Now uh, time is flying, where we looked at all of those so-called bums of the month, and in today's sport of boxing, you know how many of those bums of the month would have been world champions. I'm sure, you know, especially with, you know, for um, 
one all belt. The sanction bodies that right, that's now. my point. That's my point, you know. And and they were criticizing uh Joe Lewis at that time. You know, uh you know, oh, fighting the bums, uh, this bum, that bum, but they weren't really bums considering, you know, there were only 10 top 10, you know, cuz it was only one world title. And I I think that speaks volumes and and the fans today and I, and I blame a lot of it on them because they don't understand that. They're so critical of a fighter when he loses. Uh, you know, they, they revolve around a specific fighter and just, you know, uh, they're the ones that, that you're talking about with the zone all of a sudden have pay-per-views, which, you know, we bought those services assuming that that was our, you know, that was why we bought them because we didn't think we were going to have to pay the pay-per-views. You know, those are the guys, those fans are the ones that are, are, are driving this. Those are the ones that, you know, they'll tell me, oh, so-and-so, my fighter, uh, oh, did you see him? Oh, he destroyed uh, uh, so-and-so the, uh, last weekend. You know, it's like, yeah, well, the guy didn't have a chance against them. You know, I mean, they're not even challenging themselves. That, I think, is my biggest hang-up with the sport today, Dax. Yeah, you know, it's... Remember the old song, I forget who the, uh, I think what the Buggles or something, when MTV was actually the very first video aired on MTV was um, Video Killed the Radio Star. And the same thing, I believe, with social media and boxing, where all of a sudden these armchair experts, and when I say social media, that goes everything from YouTube to Facebook to Twitter and all the other outlets that are out there, which allows everybody to become an expert commentator. You know, uh, going back to the days of uh, Max Schmeling and um, Jack Sharkey when they had their rematch, which was a fight that was promoted by, again, like I stated earlier, was uh, Jack Dempsey. They had a couple inexperienced guys. One was actually an experienced radio broadcaster, um, Graham McNee, who called the action with a writer named Charles Coe, who wrote stories about boxing. He didn't really know much about boxing, but he wrote a lot of stories about boxing. And yet, because they were so close to the judges and a very inexperienced referee named Ed Smith, the way they called it as if all of a sudden this was a walkaway, runaway for Schmeling. And for whatever reason, the reason why he overemphasized that, they actually went against it and they scored it so crazy where the judge, even um, the referee, even though it was a 15 round fight, scored that 7-3 um, in favor of Sharkey. Um, one judge scored it 10-5 in favor of Schmeling when it wasn't even that close and the other judge scored it 7-8. Um, and the thing I'm saying about that, the point is, is that because they were so close and they were influenced, nowadays fans are easily influenced on social media. And they're easily influenced by these rah-rah men that are brought over from the WWE purposely to overhype and over-exaggerate a card, especially if the card is very dull and there's no exciting fights on there. What we need to do in this sport in terms of help out and get the sport back on track and get the fans happy is get rid of these rah-rah men. We have a big influx, Bill, of very talented ex-fighters who are broadcasters. We have Sean Porter. We have Raul Marquez, who, in my opinion, is probably the best former champion turned announcer currently. We have uh, Chris Algieri, Tony Bello, Paul Smith, uh, Sergio Mora. Sir, Sergio, guys, let me tell you something. Sergio Mora is one of the best. Timothy Bradley's one of the best. You know, they're they're pretty good. Sergio Mora, I never liked him as a fighter, but he's a damn good uh, 
Yeah, uh, but that's what I'm saying. These guys can get in there. They can give. They do go in there and they give the aspect. You know, they give what it's like if they were in the ring. But you know, they don't use it as an opportunity to make it about themselves, like a lot of the old HBO guys used to do. You know, um, Roy Jones. That used to drive me crazy about Roy Jones, and that's what used to drive me crazy about uh, George Foreman. Is either they always used it as a way to interject their career, or they always overly hyped somebody that they wanted to win that fight. If they got rid of the rah-rah men, they just got in there, the guys who told it as it was, they told, called the action clean, there was no favoritism. I think that maybe um, in terms of the way the fans would look at the sport and in terms of what the promoters are able to sell the fans would change and the fans would actually start paying more attention to the talent level of the fighters and what the fighters are doing. Did you notice or did anybody you know, else notice that leading up to the Canelo and Bivol fight, I was amazed at how many people said, oh, here we go, another cherry pick. Who's Dimitri Bivol? You know, listen, I, I was just going to comment on that fight because we, we got some comments going on and, and my man Jimmy made, made a comment about that. And, I, and let, let me tell you something about that fight, okay? First of all, you and I have talked about the Bivol being the best opponent that Canelo could have fought, we criticized uh, Canelo for for you know picking a, even Kovalev over, over Bivol. All right, um, but here's the thing: when he took Bivol, I knew that it was going to be a tough fight. Now, in my opinion, I give Canelo. To me, Canelo is the closest thing to a throwback fighter that we have today. And the reason is because he challenges himself. It would be extremely hard for somebody to convince me that Canelo is a cherry. Uh, Floyd, in my opinion, Floyd Mayweather was a cherry picker. I know you didn't want me to mention Floyd Mayweather, but I don't care. The truth of the matter is he was a cherry picker, all right? He picked fights that he knew that he could win. I don't think we could say that about Canelo, all right? Canelo has challenged himself. And Bivol was another example. Okay, at the end of the fight, he complained, I thought I won. Okay, but then he, he reevaluated. Now, I think the Triple G fight that he he uh, is going to have is just to appease Triple G. I don't think Triple G has a chance against Canelo at this stage of the game. That fight's three years overdue. But the Bivol rematch, let me tell you, I can't wait to see that fight. I don't think that that fight is going to happen to be honest with you and I don't think it should happen to be honest with you why and that has why that has nothing to do with Canelo's skill set that just has to do with Dimitri Bivol is that good yeah but why I, wouldn't they have the rematch Canelo already said he's going to have the rematch well of course he's he says it and he wants it but I'm just saying in my opinion I don't think it's a good idea I do think that Dimitri Bivol could have knocked Canelo out well, he listen, Biv, hey, joining us now is uh, my man Alex P, that, that skinny little bastard. Who Who is this skinny guy? I, I had what? a hard time looking for I, a, a, an updated picture of him to, I mean, uh, for the promo for this uh, return I mean, game. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I got to, you know, I, we got to shrink the screen. I mean, you know, come on. Alex, how you doing, brother? Good. How you guys doing? Great to be here. Well, what do you think, man? We're talking about Canelo. Um, we're off topic a little bit, but but I think it deserves. I I, I thought that the 
the fight with Canelo and, and Bivol was was just another indication of why I do think Canelo is a throwback fighter and why I do think that uh, you know historically he's going to go down as as one of the best, especially of of this era. Yeah, I think he definitely. Uh, um, it was one of those situations where he he you know reached for the uh, reached for the stars and um, you know came up short. Uh, you can't blame him for that. I mean, he fought a bigger guy, and the guy was a lot more um, talented, I think, than he expected. Um, because you know, to total credit to Bivol, um, he uh, had a great game game plan as well. And I think I kind of disagree with you a little bit, Billy C. Um, That's I, it. I'm disconnecting you. <laughs> I kind of think that um, uh, I'm pretty sure this the the Golovkin rubber match will be at 168. Um, yeah. And I do think that the thing that Bivol showed was that. Uh, if Golovkin can sustain the things that made him Golovkin, um, uh, you mean ten years ago? You mean Canelo the ten is still vulnerable? The thing is, the thing that because if you think about it, the way Bivol fought uh, Alvarez was very similar to the press, pressing, you know, jab and straight punch driven offense that um, Golovkin gave. Uh, Canelo the first time it's just that Canelo's counter punching was nowhere near enough that's like catch up with uh Bivol because he his power you know didn't get Bivol's attention like it got Golovkin yeah but Uh, Alex listen Dax has said this long before I did and long before you did. He was high on Bivol, and I got to give credit. As much as, as much as it pains me so, I got to give credit to Dax because he was saying about Bivol a long time ago when he first came out. And one of the things that he said, and Dax, I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong, Bivol is a great defensive fighter. That's what Canelo was dealing with. He was dealing with a defensive fighter and a boxer. Triple G may be a, a, a very good uh, a, you know, puncher. He moves forward. But his defense has always been questionable. And the other thing about Triple G, especially now against today's 2022 uh, Canelo, is the body attack that Canelo's going to give him. He, that's his kryptonite. Come on, Alex. Triple G's kryptonite is the body shots. Yeah, I, I think that Golovkin is very likely to lose. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be a walkover. Um, I, I do think that uh, Canelo will beat Triple G in this rubber match, but I, do th- I don't think he stops him. Um, I think it's still a heated uh, competitive fight. Um, but I do think that I, I'm much more interested in the Golovkin rubber match than in a Canelo-Bivol rematch. I'm much more – I think a Bivol versus Betterbiev fight would be tremendous because I think – that's the situation where, like you and Dax, like Dax especially called it, uh, Bivol is the skill of vision. But just plain bone crunching, you know, KO scary power is better BF. So, of course, that would be fascinating to see them fight. I, I hope we do get that eventually. I, yeah, I Like, um, you're usually sleeping. So Alex is up. So he follows the timeline. Wait a minute. You stay up here. you stay up past six o'clock at night? I mean, who the hell does that? What are you, a vampire? <laughs> so so Alex sees the timeline when I'm on there during the fights. And um 
I compared Dimitri Bivol, and this incorporates into that throwback where we were talking about how you're coming from these poor countries and even once you get the money, now you want to get some sort of legacy because you know when the money's gone, the money's gone, but the legacy is forever. And another thing about that I compared to the fact is that Bivol, if he could take that huge, monstrous punch from Joe Smith Jr., who's a big puncher, and when Bivol had his hands down, he had thought the 10-second warning was the final bell. Remember, he kind of went back on a little bit of a rubbery leg, and that was right behind the ear, and yet he came out and he just dominated the whole rest of that fight. There was no way that Canelo was going to be able to knock Bivol out. I'm sorry, I just I just could not see it. But, but- Dimitri Bivol is a hybrid of yesterday and today, just like Lomachenko is, just like Alexander Usyk is, and just like Triple G is in terms of, like we were saying, Bill, they all train old school. They have a little bit of the new school training, but they do go out there and run in the woods. They do go out there and uh, hit tires. They do go out there and they chop trees down. And then on top of that, they work on the footwork in unusual ways. And hey, Bibble, the way to sum him up is actually he is a mini version of Alexander Usyk in terms of he doesn't look like he hits all that hard. He gets a lot of criticism because he's not knocking everybody out, but he doesn't put himself in any unnecessary danger, and he hits a lot harder than you think he does. When he wants to unleash that power, he can, which is the way Usyk gained the respect of Anthony Joshua. And that's what, you know, the uh, more or less – today's fighters the sport has evolved overall with a combination of those things hey you got to watch out about talking about chopping trees in front of alex you know he's kind of on the green side you know so i mean we don't want to chop we don't want to chop too many trees down whether they're training or not but but listen the the fact about canelo that i think that i i'm i'm more high on than you guys um is the fact that i i i what i love about him is that he genuinely appears to be challenging himself. And that's why I think that the Bivol, another Bivol fight is going to be something that Canelo wants um, because I think that that's important to him, which is very rare today. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I love the fight. I've always loved the, the, the potential fight with Canelo and Bivol. Uh, it turned out in Bivol's favor. I, I think that... We're going to see a rematch. As far as the Triple G, I, I would have loved to have seen this third fight uh, several years ago. Right now, I, I think age is going to uh, prevent uh, Triple G from, from performing like like you hope he does, Alex. And and I, I have to disagree with you. I do think this fight uh, between Canelo and, and Triple G will end in a knockout. And it's going to come... Via a body punch. I think we're going to see Triple G get stopped by a body punch. And it, it, it bothers me because I love Triple G. Um, but facts are facts. And, and I just think that uh, Canelo has evolved. Um, he's still in the prime uh, of his uh, boxing life. And Triple G is on, on the downswing. I mean, facts are facts. 40-year-olds, it just, you know, unless you're, unless you're you know, fighting uh, sparring partners, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I think um, Canelo will win, and I do think that um, in terms of you know who's uh, who's got more left in the tank, it's definitely Canelo. Uh, although I thought Golovkin, Golovkin looked pretty good in his last fight. Um, 
And um, he was tired. He was tired in that fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at, at 168, that might be interesting. I think the thing about it, I I agree with you that um, the first of all, the amount of just the activity that Canelo gives uh, for his level of the sport to be as busy as he is, I think that's a beautiful thing because a lot of the guy, a lot of guys who could command such an audience with any kind of anything they did would take a lighter schedule and fight less often, or at least we've seen that happen in the past. The fact that he um, unified 168, fought guys that are all like have been TBRB ranked, um, you know, for like his last seven opponents or so, maybe even more. That's awesome. I mean, what more could you ask for from a fighter? Um, so I absolutely agree with you. I just think I, I think I saw here what uh, I guess it's Jimmy in the uh, chat said. I agree. I think that that's that's the problem. I think he sort of plateaued. I think 175 because he was he was talking about going to uh, cruiserweight. And Usyk maybe even coming back down and them having a super fight, a pound-for-pound pound championship type thing. But I think that is – if Bibble could beat him, imagine what Usyk could do. So, yeah, I think that um, maybe we've seen uh, sort of the, the, the cap on how big Canelo could get. But that doesn't mean he can't still do great things. There's still Charlos out there. Um, Please with the Charlo. I, you know, I, the Charlo brothers just don't impress me. I, I just, I, that, you know, he proved a lot in those two Castano fights. Um, you didn't, I, I don't know. Those fights were great. They were fun. Is Castano that good? Well, but it's his peers, you know. So I, I think that's one of the things I did do just to, for fun. Um, yeah, but that was Jamel. That was Jamel. I don't mean to segue, but I I have here four magazines. One's the Ring magazine from 1986. One's uh, from 1992, and one's from 20. Uh, this is K uh, World Boxing from 2007, and then a Ring from 2001 and 1999. I thought we could look at the top tens uh, of some of the division if you wanted to. Uh, compare to who's hot today well i i mean the 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 bottom line what what i was you know my, what i was trying to talk about today was the eras and and i'm talking going back further than in 20 20 20 2007 wasn't like that like last, wasn't that like last year i mean wait a minute you know what year is it you know i it, you know the 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 thing is is that I, I think, in do, all due respect to Canelo, he's a throwback because he appears to be challenging himself. He is seeking out the better fighters. That's something that a lot of fighters don't do anymore. Um, you know, I, I, listen, I, I know recently you, you talked, Alex, I know that you, you sent me a photo of you and Marlon, Marlon Starling. Well, Marlon called me the other night, out of the blue, my man, Marlon Starling, okay? Now, here's the thing. Marlon's going to come on the show. Uh, he's looking forward to the Hall of Fame, and right after that, he's going to come on the show. But Marlon and I had a really interesting chat, and we, we talked for o almost two hours. And, you know, we, we of course, we started talking about uh, boxing. And, and, you know, one of the things that bothers me is, first of all, Marlon Starling was 
really one of the greatest fight, in my opinion, one of the greatest fighters that I've ever gotten to see fight. And then I had the luxury of meeting and, and becoming friends with on, on a personal basis. I mean, I love Marlon Starling, but from a talent level, this guy was tops and he, and he was just another fighter in his era, you know, and, and compared to today and he doesn't get the recognition. He was a great defensive fighter. He, he could do it all. Right. And when he and I were talking, let me tell you, one of the most saddest things I, I, I think I've heard, and, I, and I've heard it from more than just uh, Marlon. I, I've heard it from many other fighters. They don't even watch the sport anymore. And the reason they don't watch the sport is because they're turned off by the lack of fighters fighting the fights that the fans want to see. You know, you think that these guys... Um, who gave their their basically their lives and, and some of the things that that they're still paying for today um, because of the love of the sport? What what powerful thing would make them be turned off by the sport? And and it's a simple answer: it's the sport, and the sport hasn't been loyal to the fighters that have built it like Marlon Starling, you know, even like some of the, the higher profile fighters of his own era, like Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, I, I mean, yes, Sugar Ray Leonard financially w was fine, but do you think he's a real big boxing fan? Unless you're paying him to be a commentator or, or being a ringside guest, is he really watching the sports? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And to me, that's disheartening because back in the day, you know, these fighters, after they retired, they still, they, they were dying to get back in the ring. They, they loved the sport. And today, you see these guys from at least the 80s and, and early 90s, they don't even want to watch it. And I can see why. Yeah, I mean, I think there are, if, if that's one of the things of not having a league uh, that hurts boxing, because if you think about it, they're, if they're, like because that's what a league would do is at every fight there'd be a few ex fighters uh there to sort of you know flesh out the experience the idea that hey this is a league where we take care of our own our own you know and we respect them uh boxing is uh, is you know uh like jack newfield uh wrote uh it's the only jungle where the lions are afraid of the rats uh, the lions being the fighters and the rats being the promoters. So, yeah, uh, I mean, look what happened. Look at uh, recently people have been talking about Donald Curry. The guy's really hard, you know, hard on his luck. Uh, and um, and that was a guy who you, you would think, wow, he had it all in the 80s. And speaking of Marlon Starling, I mean, the, the two of them were rivals. Well, Bar um, Marlon, Marlon made million-dollar payday, and he's certainly not uh... – uh, enjoying it, you know, uh, today. And, and, and you know, uh, let's look at Marlon. Did the WBA do him solid when they didn't reverse the knockout that, that they, they awarded his opponent when they knocked him out at the, at the bell? At, you know, they never reversed it. You know, and, and you know, how, what does that do to a, to a person that gives their life? I mean, I couldn't imagine what Marlon, you know, you know, Marlon ha has talked about that, but, you know, he's he's kind of quiet about it. I wish he would come clean and, and tell what he really feels because uh, knowing Marlon, I bet you that's killing that dude. I'll tell you that right now. I bet you it's killing him. I remember him talking to him before we had our Hall of Fame back in 2011, and I'd have to honestly say that's the only time I heard Marlon curse. 
I know. I know. Because you know, he goes, you know, they still haven't, they still have done nothing about that bullshit. He goes, that's the only time anybody ever hurt me in a fight that ever put me in. He goes, you know, it wasn't even to my face. He, you know, and he kind of just left it at that. So more or less, you know, it's uh, I take that as a disgusted with it. Yet it is what it is, and he's had to move on. But in terms of today. Yes, fighters are better. People in general are just different today. They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. Look at most kids today in high school. A tenth grader, they're six foot two, six foot three. They and they haven't even reached. They haven't even started. Uh, their bone mass has not maxed out yet. They are um, the ones that don't sit down all day playing video games. They're more athletic. They're smarter. Tyson Fury, prime example, six foot nine. One day he can come walking around with his stomach sticking out, looking like he's ready to have a baby, wearing a Batman costume, joking around, looking like he's, you know, literally something that should be on the Tonight Show. Yet comes fight night. He's he's fit. He's trim. He moves. Like a middleweight, he has underestimated power. Time has just evolved, and it's just a matter of dedication. I don't care which era it was in. It's really just a matter of dedication. The era I had an argument with, not really an argument, kind of a debate, I should say, about Sugar Ray Robinson, about the losses. Oh, well, he, he had that. And I said, what you have to understand is that was a time where they had same-day weigh-ins, and he did not get knocked out. He actually quit on his stool. The original referee quit two rounds before because it was over 100 degrees out, and he's bringing up something that... That was a light heavyweight fight that he was fighting in, and yeah, and, and I love I love the, the comment uh, of his opponent. That, that was for the light heavyweight title. And right. And he... he all they had to do was hold. He could have lost the next two rounds. Joey Maxim. It was against Joey yeah. Maxim. And and in that fight, Joey Maxim used to comment going, yeah, Sugar Ray Robinson was complaining about the heat, but it's not like I had air conditioning in my corner. You know, I, I mean. And, and Joey had a 20-pound fight, 20-pound uh, weight advantage. Look. All the, Ray had to do was hold him for two rounds. If he lost both those rounds, he was that far ahead where he would have been the light heavyweight champion. Yeah. But people don't understand that every fight, Miguel Cotto, you talk about guys that get discouraged or you talk about throwbacks, Miguel Cotto is a guy that was truly a throwback. Look who he fought. Miguel Cotto fought everybody and no matter what type of beating he took, Miguel Cotto came back. He reinvented himself. Remember, he started off as a slugger. Hit the canvas quite a few times at 140. Um, he turned into more of a boxer. Um, he had that fight with Margarita, which was obviously never proven. But, you know, I think we uh, all pretty much know not everything in that fight was kosher. Not even a year later, he's fighting Manny Pacquiao, which uh, was probably the most dangerous Manny Pacquiao throughout his whole career. And um, Miguel Cotto continuously tried himself, tested himself. Oscar De La Hoya, no matter what your opinion is of him, tried himself, always insisted on fighting the very best, even though he was the A-side. And those were guys, as I stated in the beginning, where even after they had nine-figure bank accounts, they were still going in there and they wanted legacy. The problem today is take 
Demetrius Andrade and take Jamel Charlo, for example, always screaming that they're being ducked. Canelo's not fighting them. Nobody else in the division wants to fight them. I think um, Charlo's next fight is against uh, Suleki, who lost to Andrade and lost to Danny Jacobs in one-sided fashion. He's tough, yes, but he's definitely not at that skill level. If everybody is ducking you guys... It, it's all Dax. The only guy standing. Dax. You guys should be able to see each other and go fight. Come this on. This is what I mean about the difference between wanting to fight for legacy and where you come from, which is what you brought up first, Bill, and wanting to just fight for bragging rights. Because eventually, and take Mike Tyson, take Evander Holyfield, take a lot of people, eventually the money runs out. It happens to every And when athlete. it runs out, all you have left is that legacy. And that's that legacy that you're passing down to your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. Look, look. The, the, first of all, the Charlo brothers, both of them. And I always, I always clump them And it's them not together. just them. It's a lot of fighters. No, I know. But them specifically because they talk a lot of shit. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I, I mean, who have they fought uh, truthfully? And it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's more than just saying people are ducking you. Sign the contracts. You know, you make a great point about Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya, despite the, the high heels and, and, you know, we got Jeremy in the house, you know. So Jeremy uh, Jeremy C is in the house. He's, he's watching the show. He's in the, he's in the chat room. And, you know, he got us banned. Thank God that they let us come back, Golden Boy. And, and we all got to go to Vegas and, uh, you know, do all of that stuff. Uh, because if it was up to Jeremy, uh, Oscar still would hate me because of, uh, of all his uh, uh, antics uh, with the leotards and the, the hat and the high heels and all of that stuff back in the day. But the truth of the matter is, is Oscar De La Hoya did fight everybody. And Dax, you hit that right on the head. Yes, he was the A-side, but he was still... What the difference does it make? The, the A-side today is more defined as the A-side. And what I mean by that is the A-side is the winning side. Very rarely does the B-side win. They do be, win occasionally. But when Oscar was fighting as the A-side, he was fighting in meaningful fights that were challenging fights. His fight with Floyd Mayweather, you know, to this day, you know, his corner failed him by taking the foot off the gas, you know, he could have won that fight, you know, now when Oscar, you know, Oscar's a little over the top now, uh, saying he wants to continue fighting and all of that, you know, that's just, you know, crazy, but, but the truth of the matter is, is, and I think you were alluding to it, Dax, I, I think, um, that the truth Cocaine's of the, a hell of a drug, Oscar. No, no well, hey, he, he, hey, listen, he didn't, he didn't do cocaine, he just liked the way it smelled, but the truth of the matter is that today's fighters should do more of the legacy part because I believe, and this is me, and maybe it's just because I'm, I'm an old man now, but, but I believe that they owe it to the previous generations of fighters for the price that they paid and paving the way. And today, to call yourself a fighter and, and uh, accusing other people of ducking you when you haven't fought anybody and, and the fan base is, is you know, cheering on a, a beatdown with, with an inferior opponent. To me, that's not proving anything. And to be honest with you, it's pushing people away. One of the, one of the cats in the, in the chat room, Jimmy, was saying earlier 
uh, during the show about the UFC, and he was saying, oh, the UFC, you know, it's not as good as boxing anymore. But but here's the difference. And he made a point, oh, they're not paying the guys. Here's the point, and Alex, you alluded to it about a league. The, the advantage of a league, and I think the success of the UFC, has made boxing where it is today, where we have separate promotional teams taking their own fighters and only fighting against them, and, and we have all these separate little promotional teams. Um, and and that, that, instead of having a unity, we have division. And, you know, that's the problem with boxing. We all know Mike Silver's book back in, uh, whenever he wrote it, uh, 10 years ago, whatever, uh, the Rise and Fall of Boxing, The Sweet Science. If you, you never got it, buy my book first and then buy his. But the truth of the matter is, is that he chronicles that. And Dax alluded to it earlier in the show. And Dax, you're 100% correct that the number of people in New York State alone, the number of boxers that had boxing licenses compared to, I, I think he did it in the 40s versus uh, 2000, was something, it was astronomical. Like thousands were, were registered, uh, and I'm going to pull the data and we'll talk about it on the next show. Thousands were registered boxers in just the state of New York versus when he did the comparison, I think in 2000, um, there were a similar amount in the whole country, in the whole United States, and the amount of shows that they used to do versus the amount of shows today. And speaking of shows, let's be real. The smokers, the, the, the shows that used to come in towns and, and build up these fighters, they don't exist anymore because a promoter, although I criticize them, and I was a promoter myself, uh, I, I criticize them for what they've done to the fighters, they can't afford to do a show in a small town because you can't make the money to pay the fighters and pay the sanctioning fees and pay the uh, all the other fees that are associated insurance to pull off a, a club level show without television revenues and who the hell is doing television anymore now we're doing streaming now you got to pay don king my man don king yes i am a fan of don king i know people blame him they look at him as the devil of boxing but but don king did a lot of good for boxing He's still alive and kicking. He's still doing, actually, with your guy, Dax. Uh, uh, he's fighting a heavyweight title fight uh, in a couple of weeks. And he's doing a pay-per-view. You know, and that's old school. That's the old days. But guess what? Even zone is doing pay-per-views. It's like pay-per-view. They fleece the boxing fan from top to bottom. And they wonder why we don't have more fans. Uh, you know, I, I started doing the show today. I was trying to compare... The, the eras of, of yesteryear, and I was saying way back, Jack Johnson, uh, um, you know, eras were versus today, and we got off topic, but, you know, it, it's the same stuff. I mean, I believe as much as I blame the promoters and the managers and the fighters themselves, I think equal amount of blame has to be put on the fan because they've accepted what is being handed to them. So you can't blame a promoter or a manager or a fighter to cash the check that the fan is willing to pay and give them. It's not their fault. But Jesus, when is the fan going to wake up? Will they ever, is my question. You know, during the Davis Romero pay-per-view, I was amazed at how many people, especially E.J. Smith, 
spoke about how the old Don King cards on regular HBO, the undercards were better than most of today's pay-per-views, which is true. When you think about the old Don King cards on um, HBO, um, I think, was it um, Julian Jackson versus um, Terry Norris, you know, fights like that. But um, the fans today, you know, there's an expression that's been around, not just in boxing, but in uh, every sport, which is any publicity is good publicity so long as it's generating money. Now, fans, Bill, you bring up that point, how long are they going to, or when are they going to stop buying into this? You have so many of these titles. Tank Davis, a guy who I believe is capable of unifying any division he fights in, he's that good. I agree with that. He's fighting for these WBA regular titles, and he gets all the backlash for it. Yeah, but titles, wait, Dax, let me just, I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but first of all, I agree with you about Tank Davis. Yes, he's 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 teetering that line uh, of you know failure because of his antics outside the ring. But the truth of the matter is, is a when a guy and Floyd Mayweather proved it, and I hate to give him accolades because you know how I feel about him. But I mean, these guys they go beyond the titles. Tank Davis, you're right, has the talent to do that. And then the, the, the sanctioning bodies come to the fighter. It's, it, that's what these fighters have to do. And the only re way they can do it is prove it in the ring. By ducking fighters because they're with a different promotional team or whatever is not the answer. And to say, oh, well, hey, I just fight whoever my management puts in front of me is also not the answer. Because we all know that a fighter wants a fight. They make it happen. Don King... And, and Bob Arum hated each other. To this day, they hate each other. The only reason why they like each other now is because they're 150 years old each. You know, I, I mean, you know, they got to respect each other. But you know what? They put that hatred aside and made those fights back in the day. And you're right. The Don King cards used to be a plethora. You love that word, don't you, Alex? Plethora? I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. Um, nice. You know, of, of championship fights on, on their cards. We we took it for granted back then. Right. Today, well, my, my my point is, because you brought up how long are the fans going to put up with it, is stop watching, don't buy. Period. That's when the promoters and the sanctioned bodies are going to realize, you know what? The WBA, almost a year ago, promised to get rid of these regular titles, and they never followed through with it. Yet the fans still keep watching. And believe it or not, there's a lot of them that are out there. Some watching us right now, most likely, or will watch a show later on. They feed off of it. They feed off saying Billy was wrong, Alex was wrong, Dax was wrong. They feed off of on fight night when you're on Twitter, insulting the promoters, insulting the fighters, insulting anybody who, you know, just happens to... Um, perhaps have a, you know, a different opinion, especially if it's a celebrity. Um, somebody argued with me one time that Lomachenko should be taken off the pound-for-pound pound list because he doesn't have the titles, even though he only has that one loss. Uh, uh, well, two losses, but that one loss against Lopez. Well, he doesn't have belts. He doesn't deserve to be on the pound-for-pound pound list. But meanwhile, despite all this, despite all the complaints, they're still tuning in and they're still buying. 
Are they? Yeah, they are. Well, yeah, I, I kind of disagree with you guys um, to some degree on this because to me, boxing is the joy in my life. That's you, though. But what? hold on a second. And I think I'm a little confused because I think we're having a tremendous year. We've had incredible fights. In the next week, we're getting Combosis versus Haney and Donaire in a way, too. Two tremendous, tremendous fights. Free, Alex. Nothing to get for free. But see, the thing is that, I don't know, this is like kind of like life. I love movies. If there's a lot of dreck that are made into movies, if I want to focus on the dreck, I could say, oh, movies stink. But there's so much, there's still a lot of good movies. So I choose to focus on the good stuff. And I think that's the same thing with boxing. To me, I love the, the Larry Merchant saying, uh, Box, you can't save boxing and you can't kill it. And you know me, I love Dracula. That's exactly the case with Dracula. Um, so those are the two, those are the realities of two of my favorite things. I agree with you in terms of, you know, like you were saying about the Marlon Starling thing. To me, box, I also agree with the, the George Foreman quote that boxing is the sport to which all others aspire. So hey, you got, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. I got to take a quick break. You guys keep going. I'm not, we're, the show's not taking a break. I have to take a break. Oh, okay. I'll be right back. <laughs> but uh, no, you're, you're, you're 100% right, Alex, no matter what. And Billy's about, real quick, saying about, and it had nothing to do with politics. I was going to say, no matter when it was in time, good or bad, including right now when gas is over $5 a gallon, um, the Great Depression, when people had no money at all, they were homeless when the 20s, when people had enormous amounts of money, they had money to burn. Um, the first million dollar gate, which if you converted in financially to today's money, I can't imagine what that would actually be. And especially if you added pay-per-view, we're talking like tens of billions of dollars there probably, you know what I'm saying? But um, yes, you're right. Boxing is one of those things that is always going to be there because people turn to that. And it's almost like boxing when things are bad, because even women, and I'm, I should say ladies, back in, you know, it wasn't really years ago appropriate for a lady to go to a boxing match because that was violent. You know, ladies didn't go into saloons, but back then they did go to big cards. They went to championship bouts because for one reason or another, boxing keeps people's mind positive as you were saying it kind of distracts them away from everything else bad that's going on around them and for that one night even if it's just for that 45 minutes they get to live vicariously through whatever's in front of them and they get to support whichever guy they want to win from whichever corner and nothing else matters for that amount of time if that makes sense. True. Yeah. That's yes, definitely. That's true with all sport. And I think of course, with boxing, it's even more because everything is, is that much more heightened in boxing because it's one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I was saying was that that idea that um, some of the bitterness uh, in boxing could really last forever. But again, even that's a choice. Um, Cause look at Marvin, Marvin Hagler. Uh, he did, he could have, 
lived in resentment his whole life. He didn't. He left America and went off and started a new a new life and and never, uh, you know, went back to boxing again. So it is possible uh, to you know focus on the positive, and I think that's just it. Is now right now we have there are some fighters that are still sort of cherry picking, and I think Gervonta Davis is one of them. I mean, the, the thing that made Roland, uh, the Roland Romero fight uh, interesting was not that he had a chance, but his mouth was so big. So it was kind of interesting. Are these guys really yeah, going to... Raleigh called him out, remember, after... Uh, right, right. Yeah, so, but know, I so... mean, I think that even that matchup was intriguing to watch. Um, but in terms of uh, buying something that wasn't really worthwhile, that was... the. Uh, the perfect example whereas this year has been a really good year um the thing that i would have to argue with you guys is the idea that to just the fan has to say enough well if you're a fan of the sport and you want to see these fights and your your favorite fighter fights two times a year three times a year you're kind of behind in with it in a rock between a rock and a hard place because you want to watch it and if you're Otherwise, you have to sort of watch it on the radio. And by doing that, you, you know, you might not work. You might get missed per certain rounds. So I don't know. I find myself making that decision. All right, I'm going to buy it. Um, and I don't know. Uh, it's not so much that I want to support something that I, uh, you know, don't think is right. But I want to see the, the, the fighters I love. But are you so seeing the fights you want to see? That's my this question. Year, this year, absolutely. Really? It's like, what matchups are you? What matchup are you hungry for this year? We're about to get Better BF versus Joe Smith Jr. Uh, that's going to be awesome. We're we're about to, like I was saying, in a way, Donaire too. We're getting uh, Combosis Haney this weekend. We just had um, uh, the Spence Ugas was a good fight. It was good to see. That was a good matchup. You know, I mean, it wasn't a, a you know fight of the year type thing, but it was uh, you know a, the number one guy fighting like one of the top ranked guys. The top the ranked guys, guys in which sanction about see see that's the top ranked guys by the TBRB. I don't look at the sanctioning bodies, um, and I don't look at the ring. Um, but the thing about it is that I mean, look at another guy who's a throwback fighter is somebody like Chocolatito. And Nonito Donaire, those two guys are are uh, throwback fighters. Um, Nonito so Donaire, Nonito Donaire, you you got to give him credit because he's evolved into to that title. I think um, throwback fighter. I, it wasn't always like that because he he would have been a guy that you would argue that was cherry picking, and he got to a point where he couldn't do it anymore. You know, and. I, I, I don't know. know. I don't know, man. I don't know when he was ever cherry picking. I mean, remember, he fought Nicholas Walters, and he, oh, that was like he almost got murdered that night. Yeah. I, and William Walters was much bigger than him. You know, Donaire dropped down. Big, you know, big, I, big. I luckily had the, and again, this goes to, there's a difference between sitting here and maybe complaining or debating or saying the sport should do this and, you know, get rid of these regular titles, the interim titles and all that stuff. You know, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to talk about, um, you know, and aside from the fight results and the upcoming fights, you know, th this is what we do. This is what we've done for years. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that 
like some of these people on social media where, you know, once the show is over, once the event is over, it's over, it's done with, you know, that's not what my life is about. Um, unlike, like I was saying to Bill before, some people, it's almost like a full-time job, the way they troll on Twitter, the way they troll on um, Facebook, it's literally like a full-time job, you know, as it's like, they look forward to finding you and seeing you come online so they control you. But in terms of, you know, the sport itself, what a lot of people don't understand about this sport, and you have to really love the sport, and I've been fortunate enough to meet some really all-time great legends of the sport, going back from whether or not it was Angelo Dundee, the first um, real um, legend of the sport I ever met. I was just a little kid. was uh, Floyd Patterson in, uh, coming out of a diner with my uncle. Um, you know, I'm a Matt Brand, you know, and then once I got involved in the sport, so many people that I met, Nonino Donaire, Timothy Bradley, what I used to like, and I still do today, is love the fact that meeting these guys when they first start out, nobody's really too sure how good they are, how where they're going to go. They don't have really a lot of build up behind them because neither one of them had like a really huge fan base behind them. I mean, they didn't come out of the Olympics. They didn't have uh, any sponsorship. And look at them now. They're both Hall of Famers. And when I spoke to Timothy Bradley, for example, Timothy Bradley didn't even have his own email address. I, his now wife was his girlfriend at the time and he asked me if I would send him a link to when it's coming out and what magazine and so on and so forth. Nonino Donaire at that point in time was using his father's prepaid cell phone and look at him now, what they've become, what they've developed. Then there's guys who you really thought were going to be something that turned out to be nothing. But you know, that's something in this sport you have to love because boxing is life and there's nothing in boxing you cannot compare to any situation in life that's one thing about that canelo alvarez model we've we've all been to the canelo fights out in vegas and everybody's walking around with the t-shirts on that says you know no boxing no life no matter what the scenario is people criticize uh sugar ray robinson for all those guys that he would fight with losing records despite the fact he's fighting like 22 times a year, a lot of those guys were just sparring partners. They were helping him tune up. And some of those guys actually just needed money. And he was helping them. Canelo himself, Alfredo Angulo, remember when he had just gotten out of that deportation camp, how bad he looked. He was like all sucked in. He had that big, long beard. He had almost no money. So Canelo, he fought Angulo. He didn't have to fight Angulo. Angulo wasn't top 10 ranked at the time. Angulo was not a mandatory, but you know what? Canelo gave him a payday. He helped him. You know, same thing with Oscar, you know, that helped him. Um, Floyd Mayweather Jr., whether you love him or whether you hate him, Floyd will always say to this day how much respect he has for Gennaro Hernandez, why he paid for his funeral, because Gennaro Hernandez did not have to face Floyd and give Floyd a title shot. Floyd was not his mandatory, but, you know, he did that, and if it wasn't for Hernandez, that Floyd's career may have not taken off, and he may have not become so big as fast as he did. So, you know, boxing itself, like you say, Alex, like you were saying, is that once you delve into it and you see and you really understand, you appreciate it, you know, that other little stuff doesn't mean much. 
Who cares about an interim title? Who cares about the Asian Pacific champion? Me and John Scully have joked around for years. How does a guy from West Virginia become the Feta Caribbean champion when he can barely speak English, let alone uh, anything from there? You know, so, and again, like I said, you meet these guys when they're young and you see these guys that are unknown and whether or not they fall flat on their face, which is kind of hard. You hate to see that because it was like, you know what? I really thought that this guy was going to succeed, but the money came too fast. The fame came too fast. Adrian Broner, for example. And then the ones where you're just like, I don't know this guy, but you know what? I'll give him an interview or I'll talk to him just because he's here and look what they turn out to be. Listen, in a nutshell, all right. So, uh, you know, in recap, because we're already it's over. You know, we're going to I'm glad we're I'm, gl- I'm glad we're back and, and we'll, we'll be doing it again. But but I, I, I it, to close out the show, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, Alex, you're right. OK, I'm, I'm being I, I, I said Dax was right before I'm saying Alex is right now. What, what the hell am I drinking? You know, I, 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 Jesus see what Christ. happened, Alex, is he I, had to get I, off camera because he needed another drink. I, that's exactly what I mean, you drink, know. Drink but, but, but here's the thing. You know, we, we can only judge the fighters by who's available for them to fight at the time that they're fighting. So you're right. You know, I'm being critical of... You know, it's not the fighter's fault. I mean, even one of my greatest fighters of uh, my biggest, you know, as me as a fight fan, my my one of my favorite fighters of all time, Mike Tyson, and and you know they they said that you know oh he, he didn't fight anybody. Well, it's not the guys. It's not the fighter's fault. Who's available for them to fight? But what they are responsible to do is fight the fighters that are available. And my hang up. With a lot of fighters of today, and I don't mean today, but I'm saying over the last decade, is that they don't. They duck a lot of fighters and they don't make those fights. And and I am critical of that. And I think it carries over uh, and, and and clouds some of my opinions, uh, you know, to, to be blanket, uh, you know, Fighters not fighting, like what Alex was saying. Oh, we had a lot of good fights. So, in 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 your defense, Alex, you're right. Okay, well, the, and I think, I think you're right too. In in two of the big glamour divisions right now, although we're getting one of them in the this weekend, because uh, we had lightweight and welterweight, where we had this sort of four kings uh, situation. Where you had uh, right now with the lightweights, you have Tiafima Lopez, Lomachenko, Combosis, and Haney. We're getting Combosis and Haney this weekend. That's great. Um, in the welterweight division, you got, uh, well, you also have Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia. We might be getting that. In the welterweight division, you got um, Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. And I don't know if you heard, I'll just leave you guys with this one of the little nuggets from the Twitterverse. It could be that Raleigh Romero's brains were still a little scrambled, but he tweeted that he saw Errol Spence running really late at night in Manhattan, on the streets in Manhattan. Now, granted, he's a fighter. Maybe he's always running. But then there was also other rumors that maybe we're going to get some news. Uh, So that could mean that the Bud Crawford fight is happening or 
that Raleigh Romero was so scrambled, he's seeing visions of fighters running. Or or Terrence Crawford was in the neighborhood and Errol Spence went running down to get away <laughs> from him. Um, but, because that's what I think. But, but the other point that I want to make, and this is an important one, fellas, and for anybody that's, that's watching or listening. Back in the day, all right, and that's what I really wanted to talk about today, but we got off topic. But back in the day, and we could go back to the day of the Sugar Ray Robinson because, Dax, you know, when you brought up, and, and I've had to deal with those same kinds of people myself where they actually question Sugar Ray Robinson because of his double-digit losses. You know, I mean, he's the greatest fighter of all time. Let, let's let's be real. He's, he's the best ever, okay, when it comes to boxing. The difference between that era in the 40s and 50s and early 60s was that the fighters fought so often. And yes, Dax also hit on the fact that they, they needed to, to make a living. And boxing was a true you know, uh, 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 way to make a living. It, it, it was a trade. And although they fought some fights, which we can all admit that you know, uh, the Sugar Ray Robinsons and the Joe Lewises, et cetera, et cetera, they didn't fight the top fighters every night. They did fight some, some easier opponents. The difference between those eras and today is that fighters only fight two or three times. Three times a year, they're winning Fighter of the Year award today, okay? But, but, and I've talked about this in the past, and I, and I know, Dax, you'll remember. Um, the fighters of yesteryear fought more fights but the fighters of today sparred more oh, yes. than the yeah. fighters of yesteryear and i and think I, that's where the brain damage the real brain damage well, is done well the, the but the thing is is that i don't think that the younger fans recognize that yeah. that you know today's fighters you know and they they actually are using the the fact that the fighters were busier back in the day against them when i kind of look at it the reverse you know so i don't expect the fighter to fight you know uh, uh the top fighter every time out but if you're gonna fight twice a year god damn it i do expect yeah. you to fight the top guys you know well, i mean think about if you think about the canelo example think about his two losses are the ones lost where he won, um, learned the most. Everybody agrees that that Mayweather loss early in his career made him a better fighter. We, we have yet to see what will happen with the Bibble fight, I, but I have a feeling it will. Just think about it. That's one of the lessons of life. But I give, I, I actually, I actually, in, in, ourselves back up. In that fight, Alex, Canelo Mayweather. I actually give Mayweather. I, <laughs> you guys knew this was going to happen at some point with me, but I actually give Mayweather more credit, and I'll tell you why. He was smart enough. He's been definitely drinking. No, no, no. It, it's true. <laughs> there's, but, there's but, a hookah off yeah, stage. Yeah, 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 that's right over there. But, but, the, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is I do give Floyd more credit, and I'll tell you why. Because Floyd was smart enough to see the potential in Canelo. And he said, I better fight this cat now 
Because if I fight him six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, he's going to kick the shit out of me. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that's what we got to give Mayweather credit for. You know, Canelo may have learned something from that, Alex. But Mayweather was a little smarter to know when to do. Because let's recall back when that happened. Mayweather seemed awful anxious to get in the ring. <laughs> Since when does Floyd Mayweather ever want to get in the ring quickly? The fastest time he signed a deal to fight somebody was against Canelo. And I'm telling you, it was because he realized that the only chance he has to beat Canelo was when he fought him. And it, and it proved to be true. So we do have to give him uh, credit there. But anyway, listen, guys, I just want to say thank you uh, for, for coming back. I, I'm, I'm excited. I, 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 think, I, I think the flame was lit again. And, uh, and, and, and I hope that uh, you guys will join me again. We'll be a little more uh, uh, focused on our topics uh, next week. Uh, but I also want to tell you, uh, and, and I mentioned this to, to Dax earlier, uh, Alex, but right here, right here on this new uh, uh, flash disk that has more uh, storage capacity than, than most of the other laptops that run this show, um, I, I have all those interviews Going back, I mean, I have found, I went and copied them all in there. I have found so much great stuff on there. I mean, Tyson Fury interviews when he was just starting out. Danny Garcia. I, I, Danny Garcia in his fifth and sixth fight. Um, um, other other fighters that, that we had. And then and then celebrities, uh, you know, management like Jackie Callan. You know, I, I mean, I, I was amazed to see what I have on here. Johnny Boz. Johnny Boz. to God. Some, we never some, had all those people on the show. Who said and that? Somebody, I'll tell you, no, I don't want to get into it because he's the ultimate troll and he's across the, the, the seas and, you know, he just, one, he's, he just never stops. You it's know? all right he, here. Because he's, he's overseas. It's all right here. It's all right here. And, and, and you what know, I was going to tell you is, remind me to send you the link. I found it by accident, the old website. Is still out there. Oh, wow. What old website? The, the the old talking boxing website, the one before it turned to Billy C Boxing. It's just called Talking Boxing. There's no you can't get no content, no material. The one that used to link to the Daily Sports. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not way back. And it had a whole list of all the stuff that was on there. I mean, it's um, gosh, there's pictures of like you know the team Dave Wilcox and um. We're talking. We've been doing this show for 19 years, dude. Yeah, and it's and this this website is still sitting there. That's great. That's so great. Somebody showed it to me by. They were like, "Oh, isn't this?" I'm like, "Wow, I didn't even know that was out there." But and we and we are on so many different places that you know people don't realize. People think, "Oh, well, it's only YouTube." And another one where I have to sh uh, send you the link. I forget which uh, fight it was, but and I was just telling my son this the other day. When we had spoke about we were uh, going to uh, start doing shows again, I was just looking and refreshing some of the old shows. And there was one that we did a couple years ago that has like 19,000 views. And I'm just like, really? And so, you know, they just, people just watch them and continuously watch them and watch them and watch them. And again, people don't understand that, you know, how many different podcasts and countries and stuff like that that this all gets sent out on. Well, we're going to do the blast from the past again. Um, which was one of the, the, the best segments. I, I, to this day, I get uh, people 
asking about that. So all this stuff. We're going to be back. Hopefully we'll get uh, some new people that uh, haven't uh, listened to the show before. And uh, for the ones that have, um, they're going to like it again. So uh, uh, we're back. That's all I could say. But listen, fellas, thank you very much. To everybody out there, uh, if you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to drop me an email. Bill at BillyCBoxing.com is your best bet. Um, and uh, look for uh, uh, my man Dax. He's on social media under Talking Boxing. And uh, we want to communicate. So uh, let's make it happen. All right, fellas? All right. Good night, everybody. We'll See talk, you we'll talk to All you right. soon. Ciao. All right, dude. Bye. Bye-bye.